0: So we continue on this journey of who I am. I want to lead us in prayer for that in a minute, who I am in Christ. But I want to remind us, too, that we're in a season in our world now where there's things happening in other parts of the world that really do affect us, whether we know it, believe it or not. And that is that what's happening in Israel right now with the war that's there. You take the time, and I hope you will, to study some of the biblical prophecies, you will see how all this ties together. And it doesn't bring us a um, dismay or a fear, but in fact, it brings us eternal hope that our God, who has said these things will come to pass, and He did it. Decades ago, it's coming to pass. And so here we are, again, as I've said and I'll continue to say on so many occasions, we're the chosen generation for this time in history. That, to me, is mind-boggling, because when I began over 50 years ago, I had no idea that I would get to be a part of this. I assumed, as many, that it would be after I was gone, but here we are. So we want to pray uh, for Israel, we want to pray for peace in Jerusalem, just like the Scripture says, but we also want to be reminded of who we are in Christ, and that's why we can get up every day, do the things we have to do, care for our families as we should, but also honor and serve God as he calls us to do so let's pray would you please father God thank you thank you thank you that we have this incredible privilege and joy to be your kids to be called by you and to be who we are in you Lord Christ in this time in history what a great blessing that you've allowed us this privilege and we want to honor you. We want to glorify you. We want to acknowledge how amazing you are and how you're working in our lives every day, revealing yourself to our world, the world that there's so much darkness and we're the light. And so thank you, God. Thank you for the privilege of being that light in Jesus name. Amen. So who we are in Christ, who I am in Christ. I gotta tell you, you should already figure this out by what you were handed when you came in the door. This is a setup. (laughs) I'm letting you know. You were given a covenant card and a serving card. Now, all that could mean nothing, or it could mean something extremely important. And we get to make the choice. We're still those created by God in his image who get to have free will. And what we do with that will be up to us. But I want us to look at what the scripture says about this. And then we're going to look very specifically at the covenant cards for sure calling them to himself that's jesus calling his disciples he said to them you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the gentiles lord it over them and their great men exercise authority over them so what is he doing he's setting them up he's reminding them that in this world that we live in there is a hierarchy there are those who rule those who lead and those who serve and look what he says but it 's not it's not that way with you but he said that 's not how it is in my kingdom, but who's, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave to all. Now, I know every one of us got up this morning and said, Lord, thank you so much for making me a slave. No response. Thank you, Lord, just making me a slave. Amen. Here's the opposite of that. That breaks my heart because I've been in church now for all these decades. Well, who's going to serve me? How do I get served? Because that sadly is still an attitude in the church. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve Not to come to be saved, I'm sorry. Come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, why do you think I came? You think I came so I could sit on a throne here on earth and you guys could all serve me? Now he says, there's a whole different world coming down the road. But when I came, as I did to be the redeemer, I came... As a servant. Let me just say very clearly to every one of us who are here, if we are in Christ, we're a servant. And I'm going to be very candid with you. I'll give some very specifics as we go. But I can say this to you as one of the leaders of this church. If you're not serving, then you're wrong. Is that simple enough? Was that clear enough? Jesus said... (laughs) came to serve not to be served i came here to minister to others not to have them minister to me and then it goes on in philippians 2 which is being like christ paul says do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit oh my 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 again heartbreaking the church I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to be recognized. We talked about this last week. I wasn't really popular in school, but in church I can get a position and people kind of look up to me and, oh, isn't it wonderful? Well, no, it's wonderful because we're serving because we're doing it for his glory, for his honor, and for his praise. Not because of what I'm going to get out of it. Now, don't misunderstand me, because it sounds like I'm signing you up for something that's brutal and terrible and awful, but it isn't. It is amazing, wonderful, and spectacular and awesome. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. How you doing? It's a it's an inventory sheet. How you doing? It's a biblical inventory sheet. How are you doing? I'm addressing this to those of us who are in the room who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. How are you doing? John thirteen. It's a long passage. This is only the reference. Jesus Christ knows that he is going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be tried. He knows he's going to be crucified. And so he's prepping his disciples on the night before. And in John 13, it says, when they all gathered together in the upper room, he got up after they had gotten settled in. He takes a towel, wraps it around his waist and goes around and washes their feet wonder why he does that well he does it Peter has a little dispute with him you ain't washing my feet Jesus said well Peter if I don't wash your feet you ain't got nothing in me Peter said in that case give me a bath Peter had the tendency to kind of overreact at times it would seem but when he gets done he says this I've demonstrated to you what you're supposed to do. When all this takes place, there's more coming down the road. I can't give it to you all now, but it's coming. Things are going to change. It's going to be dramatic. It's going to be something amazing. But at the same time, you're not ready for all that. But I have given to you the example, wash one another's feet. That means serve one another, take care of one another. See, what was supposed to happen when they came in the upper room, they were supposed to have someone there who was going to wash their feet because they walked on dusty roads with sandals. How many of you have ever been to the beach with sandals on? Or flops or whatever? You get grit between your toes, right? And this, the idea was that as they came in, so they could enjoy the fellowship and the meal better, somebody would take the time to clean their feet and get rid of the grit between their toes. When we were kids growing we call it toe jam, but that's another story. <laughs> so that they could enjoy the meal and the fellowship. He says, I've done it, now you do it. He is saying to us today, I've done it, now you do it. So all that said about servant, and I want to preface this is the covenant card, you have one in your hand I'm going to take each section, walk through it I'm not going to take a lot of time, you're capable of reading and believing God to reveal to you but I want to make this important point in the book of Acts chapter 6 there's a dispute that comes up with the different members of the church there in Jerusalem and there is a belief, a feeling that certain um, participants of the church or not members because that's not the right word, but those who were involved in the church were being neglected. And so the disciples prayed and asked God for his answer, which is what's supposed to happen in church life. Ask God for his answer. And here's what they said. Select from among you seven men who have a good reputation and who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Seven guys like that. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but is it possible that not everybody was as they should have been? And maybe that's why we have difficulty today, as we sometimes do. What was their responsibility? Men with good reputations and men who are filled are controlled by the Holy Spirit so they could do what? Serve the tables. Now, telling me, Jesus, or the disciples in this case, you're telling me for somebody to hand out some beans and bread and some rice, they got to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. Because if not, we may go back to the previous scripture where we're doing it for the wrong reason and the wrong motivation. We're doing it because it's I'm getting recognized. I'm getting revealed. Go back in history. Brian was talking about the church, our church back in the 90s. Back then we would elect deacons. And I began to observe how this was going. And here's what I realized. Every time we would have a deacon election, guess who got elected? The ushers. Because those were the guys that got seen doing something. There wasn't anything wrong with that. It was just, I noticed, wait a minute. Every time we have a deacon election, it's always the ushers who get elected. So if you want to be a deacon, just sign up and be an usher and you're, you know, you get in. Free ticket. Back to why do we do all this? And why is it important to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Because if not, we will be doing it for the wrong reason. That is, we want everybody. In fact, I'm going to be very candid with you as we go through this, that every person here, no matter who you are, You're supposed to be serving. It's that simple. As far as I'm concerned, biblically, I think I can stand on that throughout the Scripture, particularly the ones I gave you previously. But then we come to this covenant, and you have a covenant card. And so years ago, I can't even tell you how many years ago, we said, wait a minute, church membership is really not a biblical Process. Because church membership, when I came to Second Baptist Church in 1980, we had about 80 people in attendance. And we had 500 and something people on our church membership roll. Even the FBI couldn't find those people. Because it was just getting my name on this list somewhere that somehow that was going to be something wonderful for me, but it wasn't. And so as time went on and we continued to pray and seek the face of God, what we were supposed to do, we came up with this, the CFM family covenant of values. What are the real values of this church life? And one of them is that we grow Personally, we mature in our personal relationship and intimacy with God through the regular practice of spiritual disciplines such as reading the scripture, prayer, and worship. Got news for you that is not just for people who get up on the stage. That is for all of us, every person who's here, who chooses or has been chosen by God to be here. And that's why we believe you are here. We wouldn't want you to be here if that wasn't the case, that God has put you here. And now, grow. Grow up. Don't sit around. I got in trouble last week. So let me not try and get in trouble again this week with your sippy cup I mean there is nothing worse than seeing an adult with a sippy cup it's horrible because you know something is terribly 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 wrong when you see an adult with their sippy cup says grow up we offer opportunity which is our responsibility if you come and you say wait a minute i i realize i need to grow we have people here who will come with you come alongside you and help you as you grow look at the scripture so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That is for all of us. And that's Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Fellowship. To attend and support regularly the varied services of Chester Freedom Ministries. That means you show up. In Hebrews, it says, don't forsake the assembling together. Now, again, there are times when we won't be here, maybe because of sickness or because, you know, vacation, whatever. The other week, Sheila and I were at a conference, so we weren't here. It happens. But on a normal process, our normal routines, we're here and we're a part of and we're helping out in any way we possibly can. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is a church that's now established by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2. Service. Uh, here we are. You knew I wasn't going to let that one slide. To strive to be a blessing to the Lord and others by using my talents and spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body, which is in 1 Peter. And each one has received a special gift. Employ it to serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God did not give you the talents and the gifts so you could sit on them. He gave them to each one of us so we could serve in the capacity that he has called us to. And it's not all the same. That's why Paul continues to refer to the body of Christ and uses the analogy of our physical bodies because there's uniqueness in it my hand does not do what my eye does my foot does not do what my shoulder does each one of us are part of what god has created it's unique it's special it's amazing it's wonderful We get to live out the manifold grace of God. So what is a covenant? Somebody asked me that this morning. A covenant is we're in agreement. This is what God has said in his word. This is what God has said to us as a local church family. And we're not imposing this on other churches. That's not the deal. It's on us. What is God saying? What is God doing in each of our lives for his glory, his honor, and his praise? evangelism to always be ready to share my faith with those who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal savior first Peter three fifteen, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you yet with gentleness and reverence now I am not one gifted with evangelism, but I am also not excused from sharing the reality of Christ with anyone that God allows me to do so. I stand in awe of those who are gifted in evangelism as they are used by God supernaturally to share the reality of someone And how that person can, it's like, you see the light come on. It's amazing. That aha moment. And they realize, oh, this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus says he is. This is what he has done. And guess what? He's done it for me. I've had that privilege. I've had that joy. But again, always being ready to give an answer for every person. Because if we're living the life in the power of the Holy Spirit as we should, they're going to say, so why is it you're going through what you're going through and you're doing it as you are? I don't get it. You're not depressed. You're not despondent. You're not... Why? You're not discouraged. Why? Because of Christ, who is my Christ who lives in my life in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's why my life is different. And that's why his light is shining through me to those that I encounter as I walk through life. Prayer. Be a person of consistent prayers for my fellow members, leaders, and for the vision of Chester Freedom Ministries. Prayer is the key to us, folks. You may or may not know that. You may or may not even be involved in prayer. But I'm telling you before God, the reason this church has done as it has done. And yes, we're not the mega church. That's not the point. But we have been very successful in ministering to, reaching people, helping people, providing for their needs in ways that I think and believe sincerely have been supernatural. Because we have people here who pray. Colossians 1, 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased, ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's, it's just, it, it seems, so, when you see it like this, for me, it's just like, it's so doggone simple. Why have we made it so doggone hard when there's no reason for that? Financial stewardship and support. Just like I believe everybody who's here should be serving in some capacity. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Let me say to you without sorrow, you should also be giving. You say, well, I can't give what they give because I don't have what. They... Nobody's asked you to do that. What we've asked you to do is ask God what you, he wants you to do and then do that. That works. And by the way, just so you know, he never said nothing. I prayed. He just said nothing. No, he didn't. <laughs> You're listening to your, somebody else, and ain't him. Because he says very clearly, he owns it all. To exercise the belief that everything belongs to God and to use my personal resources wisely and financially to pour both the work and the needs of the body. As I shared last week in some of the privileges we have as a church family of helping finance the translation of scripture into other languages the privilege we have of building churches in india and digging wells in india of other ministries that god's allowed us to finance and help and support through prayer and giving throughout the years we're feeding people in venezuela through one of the ministries we're sharing the gospel and doing discipleship in tanzania through another ministry those are things that god's allowed us to be a part of and have the joy of knowing that he provided for that. Psalms twenty-four, one: the earth is the Lord's and all the, that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. And one of my favorite is, God loves a cheerful giver. He does. If you noticed, we have the usher standing at the doors now with baskets to receive the offering. Rather, we used to pass the plate and then we passed the baskets and all that. And it wasn't a bad thing to do, but you know, some people felt like this big old usher standing at the end of the aisle was kind of intimidating, you know. Just checking to see if you were doing anything or not. Besides making change in the plate. We had that happen one time. And that we're in this together to guard my mouth from gossip, to keep my heart free of destructive criticism and instead build up the body in love, to be willing to give and grant forgiveness generously, to submit myself to the guidance of the church elders as outlined in the scripture. Again, here's the word. Here's what it says. Let's do it. Watch what happens. Behold, all these things, beyond all these things, put on love. Which is the perfect bond of unity. Put on love. What kind of love are we talking about here? Agape love. God love. That only comes because we are filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because his fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's how it works. Was that hard? Was that hard? Okay. Just check it. So, you have in your possession a serve card. As I have said very clearly, everybody here serves. But I've got to tell you about a complaint that I get from some of our staff. And here's what their complaint is. Well, you get up and preach about this and tell people they're supposed to do it, and they sign up, But they don't show up. So if you're not going to show up, don't sign up. But the question is, is it God's desire for you to sign up so you will show up and do the ministry? Because here's the thing about it. You know, we're not that big a church. There's plenty of us here to do all the things that need to be done. And we can do all the things that need to be done without a big strain being put on a few people. However, it, the tendency is and the, the, the um, I don't want to say it, the model that has been accepted throughout all the years that I've been involved in church is you have 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. It doesn't have to be that way. When you have 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. And then you look at ministries like our children's ministry that requires more manpower than most of the things we do other than those events that we plan throughout the year on a regular basis. And if everybody signs up to do their part, the rotation gets so far out, we almost have to retrain you by the time you come back around to serve. And that's just one area. But that seems to be the one. And, and I get it i, I do because um, I you have to you guys, some of you haven 't been around as long as Brian and others that i 'm looking out at the Jimmy and Linda Dodds and Terry and Sarah and a few others. I believe parents are supposed to raise their kids. I know that 's a shocker in our world today, but because we hand them off for everything if you're raising your kids like you should I didn't I did the sippy cup so I didn't get in trouble there so I'll do it here my belief is when you raise your kids as you should based on the scripture then they won't be so misbehaving that people don't want to keep them and sometimes that's an issue it ought not be and I can promise you now, any child worker that has a child that's misbehaving, I'm more than, wel- more than welcoming them to come back in the auditorium and say, Hey, Mom and Dad, can you come get your kid? We're not really going to do that. You know, that would be embarrassing. So a better way of doing it is raise your kids according to God's will, according to His purpose. Do they mess up? Of course they do. They're still little human beings. They're going to mess up. As I told you last week, I probably have the, the best three grandkids in the world. In fact, I know I do. But they still mess up. So before you leave... If God wants you to, and you're going to have to decide this because this is not arm-twisting time. This is revelation time. If God wants you to, you, you fill this out, sign it, and give it to the ushers as you leave. If not, then within the next two weeks, having spent time in prayer, determine what God wants you to do in serving this local body because he's chosen you to be here as a part of this local body. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are yours. Jesus, through the giving of the Holy Spirit, the church, your church, was established in Pente- at Pentecost in Jerusalem, and we're still here today. Still going believing now Holy Spirit that you're working in each of our lives to continue the work of the ministry to continue the work of the body and to do it in such a way father that it isn't because somebody's having to work themselves to death but because all of us are doing our part as you designed and desire us to do And so, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking each of our hearts, Holy Spirit, speaking to us, revealing to us the place that you want us to serve, not looking for something that's just easy so I can put my name down and get Steve off my back. But, Lord, that it really is a heart desire. So that when we sign up, we show up and we do the work and we do it unto you, whether somebody's watching. Whether we even get appreciated, we're doing it unto you and for your glory. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. amen.